calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Alex Dolan, the creator of The Patron Saint of Suicides. If you like the show and want to support us, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps others find the show and it makes all of us very happy. So thank you so much for continuing to listen, and back to the show. This is one of my favorite... Are you still with me? I never expected this. Welcome back, friend. Enjoy your stay while it lasts. Audio. We're going to be late. Not until you say yes. I can't tonight. You want to be boring all your life? I can't. Come on, it'll be over by midnight. I don't want to oversell it, but it's the best thing you're ever going to do in your life. Stop it. I'll pay you $50. Really? No. Uh, what's up with that? Mrs. Grant is butt naked and streaking through the hallway. Who cares? Are you coming or not? Come on, get in here. Hurry! Wait, what's going on? Hold on, let me look. Oh my god! What? There's a man out there. He's in black and he's got guns. Lock the door. It doesn't lock. Try the window! Uh, It's painted shut. Break the window! With what? Your shoe! The glass is too strong. Hit it harder. I think it might be plexiglass. I'm using my elbow. It's not working. I think this is plastic. That's what I was saying. And you're too loud. We need to be quiet. Let's go into a stall. Oh, my God. It's going to be okay. Come on. Are you texting your mom? Yes. What are you telling her? That I love her. We're going to be okay. I know. I love you. I love you too. What are you doing? It's quiet. We might be able to run for it. 
Are you crazy? Come on. <gasps> Please don't hurt us. I'm not going to hurt you. Just stay in the bathroom. It'll be over soon. What just happened? I don't know. But that was the kid with the guns. Obviously. What's happening? I don't know. Let's just stay here. Drop your weapons! Drop them! Now! He's down. Audio Media presents The Patron Saint of Suicides Created by Alex Dolan By the time Detective Zoe Gibson arrived, the school was surrounded by police cars and ambulances. Almost 200 people clogged the street around the perimeter of the schoolyard. A tall man in a charcoal suit waved to her through the crowd. This was Detective Leonard Price. For some reason, she felt nervous around him and tried to hide it. Oh, Detective Price. How long have you been here? Not long. Ten minutes. What's going on? No victims, unless you count the shooter. We got lucky. Talk to anyone yet? Thought we'd do it together. Uh. Before they could go anywhere, a slight man approached them, holding his cell phone up to her chin as if it were a microphone. Detectives, can you comment on what's happening here? Are you kidding me? Peter Landis, Oakland Tribune. Can you confirm that the shooter is a former graduate of Chester Arthur High? We just got here, Mr. Landis. We can't confirm anything yet. Can you back it up for now? I'll see you on the way out. It's a date. They walked over to the crowd of students. Most stared down at the pavement with dull eyes. Some of the students were trembling. Gibson approached one girl who was holding her friend. Can I talk to you guys? Sure. I'm Detective Zoe Gibson, and this is Detective Price. How are you holding up? This is so fucked up. It definitely is. You see this stuff online, but shit, I never thought I'd live through it. It's crazy. He just walked in like he was another student, but, you know, with guns on him. People lost their shit. Everyone lost their shit. We were stuck in the bathroom. How much did you see? We didn't see anything, but we heard everything. I saw him for a second when I checked through the bathroom door. Had you seen him before? I didn't really look at his face. I just saw this man dressed in black with guns. A heavily built man with a shaved head approached the detectives. Sergeant, can I have a word? Fuck off. Sergeant Winholm? Detectives? When did you arrive on the scene? About 9.45. How long did you wait until you entered? Excuse me? That's not an accusation, Sergeant. We're just trying to establish a timeline. There better not be some kind of witch hunt over this. That Landis prick from the Tribune is already here. We can't control the press, Sergeant. Fine. The shooter was carrying what looked like two AR-15s. They were pointed at my team. We responded appropriately. Again, we're just trying to establish a timeline, Sergeant. We went in shortly after we arrived. Did anything stand out to you? Other than an armed boy storming a high school? You know what we mean. 
Gibson left Price and went home to speak to a passing teacher. How are you doing? I've had better days. Are you hurt? Uh, I don't think so. Can you tell me what happened? Uh, he just walked in with two rifles around his neck. I've never been so scared in my life. I whiffed kids into my classroom and locked the door. It took longer than it should have. We all just got back from the holiday break, so kids are chattier than usual. As soon as I locked the door, we climbed out the windows as fast as we could. He never shot the gun. I don't remember. I don't think I heard anything. Maybe he did. Honestly, I don't know. Have you seen anyone hurt? Has anyone been shot? I don't think so. None of my students, at least. Thank you. The detectives entered the school and reached a smaller team of officers standing over the body. The dead shooter was dressed in black clothes that were too big for him. Gibson recognized Officer Nathan Slate. Detectives? Slate. Hi, Nathan. The body lay face down on the floor, his eyes half open, as if the boy had just woken up. Blood drizzled from his lips and pooled around his head like a halo. In the wall of lockers, Gibson noticed a few holes where bullets had punctured the steel. Well, you can't get more dead than this. The flak jacket didn't do much to stop the bullets. That's not a flak jacket. It's a life vest spray-painted black. Good eye. That would explain all the holes. None of these geniuses can tell a real gun from a toy. You'll have to ask them, detective. I mean, would you look at these things? I've seen more realistic squirt guns. I guess in the heat of the moment, from a distance. Who knows? What the hell happened here? The tapes show he entered the school at 9.13 a.m. The school went into lockdown immediately, and most of the students and teachers ran into the classrooms. Our suspect never left this hallway. He didn't try to get into the classrooms? He just walked down the hallway. Everyone saw the guns and ran away from him, but he didn't make any aggressive moves to the students or teachers. Once everyone cleared out of the hallway, he sat on the floor against these lockers. On the video, he just sits there until the SWAT team shows up. Then he aims his toy guns like he wants to do business. They fire at him, and he ends up like this. What do we know about him? According to his ID, his name was Eric Leichtenberg. One of the teachers recognized him, too. He graduated from here last year. He lives with his mom a few blocks away. Has the mom been notified? She has not. Ah, lucky me. Detective Price crouched to take a closer look at the body. What's going on with the kid's forearm? We saw the cuts, but we haven't had a closer look. We were waiting for you all. All right, let's have a look. Gibson crouched next to Price, who drew back the boy's shirt sleeve just enough to reveal his bare forearm. Well, that's interesting. Jesus. Self-inflicted. That's my guess. The boy had cuts on his arm. Not just cuts. A word. And not just a word. A name. The name Sam was sliced into the skin. Dumb question. You sure his name wasn't Sam? The ID and witnesses say his name was Eric Leichenberg. Price and Gibson exchanged looks, each of them trying to see if the other had guessed the significance of the name. That is very interesting, isn't it? We also found a cell phone. Officer Slate handed a bagged cell phone to Gibson. She removed it from the bag and powered it up. 
It's not locked. Officer, have you already looked at the phone? Other than picking it up and giving it to you, we haven't done anything with it. It was lying next to the body. Gibson scanned through the call history. Any recent calls? A few. A new voicemail, too, from this morning. What the hell? What? Let me put this on speaker. It's been a long week. Clementa lost someone today. We're sitting in my office. We're in the second floor of a high-rise in downtown Oakland, right on Broadway. A tech startup was here right before us. When it folded, I got to sneak in for cheap rent. That's when I started St. D, a crisis counseling hotline. Fitting, right? I would have named it St. Dymphna, but since no one could pronounce it, I went with a shorter name. Most people think the D stands for depression. We only have a few closed-door offices and an open space for cubicles, but it's a decent space for a new organization. We've been at it for six months already. Thanks for seeing me. How are you holding up? I've had better days. That's Clementa. She's been a counselor here since we've opened. Clementa was a part of Lynn's therapy group and part of everything that happened last year. She's changed since then. Since the last man died on those train tracks, she's been distant. She left her job as a teacher because she couldn't look at the kids anymore without guilt. I hired her on at St. D just to give her something to do. Tell me what happened. A call came in the morning. You know we've been getting a lot more calls over the holidays. He had just gotten through Christmas and, and crashed after New Year's. I'd gotten similar feedback from other counselors. We got a sharp uptick in calls over the holidays when depression spikes. But sometimes people hold it together over Christmas and New Year's and have their crisis once the buzz of the holidays is over. It reminds me of a marathoner who collapses on the finish line. What made you more worried about this one? There was a resolution in his voice. He kept saying this was something he had to do. I don't know. It just seemed urgent. I can play it for you. You recorded it? You know we don't normally record calls. It seemed urgent. More than usual? You tell me. She puts down her phone between us and plays the recording. That's when you called the police? Yes. 
They traced the call to an apartment near Piedmont. They found him in a bathtub. I'm sorry. You know, this is part of the job, though. Sometimes we lose people. According to the police, his name was Luke Paget. Luke Paget. Who was Sam? I don't know. Do you know who Sam is? I'm not following. Someone named Sam was talking this man into hurting himself. It reminded me... It reminded me of the... Clementa. Not here. Every so often, Clementa wants to talk about the four boys from last year. It's been eight months and she keeps bringing it up. I don't want to go into it. Certainly not here. I don't know how to live with what we did. We have to live with it. But what if I can't? Clementa, we've got co-workers just outside that door. She looks downtrodden. But I can't help her. We've had this conversation before. We did what we did last year. Do I regret it? <sighs> I, I don't know. But I know the more I ruminate about the past, the worse I'll feel. There's no undoing what we did. You don't ever want to talk about it. Perfect timing. Because I don't want to have this conversation anyway. I have to go. I need to take this. Do you know who Sam is? Why would I? Detective Victor Blossom came home early when he got the call. Benjamin was hurt. Beverly, his nanny, met him in the kitchen. She raised her hands in a gesture meant to calm him down. Where is he? He's sleeping. We just got back from the hospital a little while ago. He needed to rest. I want to see him. Can I talk to you first? Yes, sure. Sorry. I'm just worried. I know. Me too. It was scary. Tell me what happened. He was outside. By himself? Yes. Why weren't you watching him? Because he's never done anything like this before. So, you're telling me he just walked off a cliff on purpose? Yes. Victor Blossom lived in the Montclair district of Oakland. His house sat on a hillside, supported by stilts. So did every house in the neighborhood. There was ample opportunity to tumble down the steep slope. But Benjamin was 12 years old, and he'd never fallen once. Beverly, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe he just fell by accident. He's never done that before. Well, there's a first time for everything. Excuse me? I don't appreciate your tone. I was doing my job. I don't appreciate you treating me like I'm one of your suspects. Beverly, my son broke his arm today. How happy do you want me to be? I don't expect you to be happy. Just ease off on the judgment. All right. Tell me what happened. He was outside by himself. He went off on his bike. I hadn't heard from him in a bed, so I texted him. When he didn't get back to me right away, I called his phone. When he didn't pick up, I located his phone and went to find him. 
His bike was at the top of the hill, and Ben was at the bottom. He missed the rocks and was lying in the ice plants. Then you took him to the hospital? It took a while for me to navigate to the bottom of the hill, but yes, we got there. He's got a simple fracture of the ulna. According to the doctor, it's not that bad. They wrapped him up and sent him home with some Tylenol. I think he's just so exhausted by it all. He fell asleep as soon as we got in. Was it an accident? I don't know. Well, what the hell does that mean then, Beverly? Ben said he got into a fight. A fight? With who? With Sam. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.